Health and Fitness with David Hollywood with the all-new Midlands Park Health and Fitness Club. MidlandsParkHotel.com Midlands 103 On Health and Fitness with me, David Hollywood, this week we have some very important health-related news to share with you shortly. After that, you'll learn about the sexual health service in the Midlands that's showing the way on the national stage. And we talk to two Westmeath clubs from two different sports about the work they're doing to support and celebrate community in the Midlands. But first, as many of you will now know, there's a developing situation in Ireland and specifically the Midlands regarding measles. Earlier this week, a Westmead man died after contracting measles after attending an event in the United Kingdom. Today, my Midlands 103 newsroom colleague Cameron Clark spoke to specialist in public health medicine with the HSE, Ruth McDermott, about this potential viral outbreak. Just to talk about why we've issued an alert at this point, I suppose it's important to say that whenever public health are notified of a case of any kind of infectious disease, we immediately take action to to do contact tracing and identify the close contact of the person. And that piece of work has already been carried out in detail and all those actions taken. But in addition to this, then, we felt it was important to do some awareness raising with the general public. And that's why we've issued an alert, just to let people know that there is a possibility and that they might have met measles in particular settings would be firstly the bus airing route, which is the 115 bus that runs from Dublin to Mullingar, uh, and as that would have been um, a location between the dates of Tuesday the 30th of January and Monday the 5th of February. And the second location then is a restaurant in the Mullingar Business Park. And the date in question there will be Monday the 29th of January in the afternoon from 2 to 4.30. And Ruth, if anyone was um, on that bus route between the, the times you mentioned there or indeed in that restaurant on the day and between the times you mentioned, what should they do? Well, there's two things really that we'd ask people to do. And number one is just to have that bit of awareness in case you develop any signs and symptoms, just to have an alertness or an awareness in relation to measles. And that, that, aware, that, that alert or that little bit heightened kind of keeping an eye out for symptoms would run for 21 days, a maximum of 21 days from the day that you may have been exposed. So for some people, this might run just to keep an eye on themselves for the next coming weeks to the end of February. But the symptoms then that people look out for, so the classically um, people would, would think of measles and they'd think of, okay, a high temperature and a rash. So high temperature and a rash certainly um, any doctor would be, you know, carrying out a swab on somebody with a high temperature and a rash. But but just just to note that I suppose people can be sick for a couple of days before the rash comes on, and the symptoms can be a little bit non-specific. So you might have, you know, symptoms of a runny nose, a cold, a cough. Often people with measles will have red eyes, and the temperature would be um, a very a very usual, very common symptom to have with measles. And then you get this rash, which tends which tends to start. Uh, behind the ears and then kind of spread down the body and it's kind of bright red rash that's sort of blotchy and it, it lasts so it's not it's not a tiny little rash it, it, it's strongly red and and it, it persists for a few days if you do think you have symptoms or if you're, you or your child has symptoms what you would need to do is contact your gp or your doctor for advice and we'd really like people to phone ahead it wouldn't be a good idea for people who think there's something infectious to go and sit in waiting rooms so naturally, it would, ideally, if you phone ahead, 
your doctor will, will, will arrange to see you at a time that doesn't create risk for other people being exposed. To make sure that you, and that you know that you and your family are protected from measles as much as possible. For most people, that means making sure that you're up to date with your MMR vaccine. And then people, people in Ireland who are older, so people who were born in Ireland before 1978, are actually very likely to have natural immunity to measles. So they're very likely to have actually had a measles infection or a measles illness at some stage. But for, for people born since 1978, and sometimes for people from other countries, then the protection would really come from the MMR vaccine. And it's never too late to get it. And you can arrange an appointment with your GP to get the vaccine. And I think that would be really sensible and important thing to do and um, to make sure people are protected against measles in case we see further cases. Um, as we know, measles has, has very much um, taken off in, in the UK and they have a very concerning outbreak there. So with people going over and back, travelling and so on, there is a risk that, that other cases will occur in Ireland in the coming weeks and months. Thanks to Cameron and Ruth McDermott from the HSE there. And apologies for the audio quality. I know it was a bit choppy, but I figured it was an important one to stick with and get it out there in any case. We turn our attention next on health and fitness to TUS Athlone. And uh, the university's been getting a very good reviews for its student sexual health service. Uh, so much so the Department of Public Health has paid a visit, as well as the uh, Minister for Public Health, uh, Hildegard Nocton. I'm very glad to say that Laura Tully, who's the sexual health service nurse manager at TUS Athlone, joins us on the programme. Uh, Laura, it was uh, a big day in relation uh, to the student sexual health service on the campus. You might talk us through what's been going on. Yeah, we're delighted to have welcomed the Minister and the Department to the campus this morning to view our state-of-the-art facility here, uh, which has been uh, funded through Slauncher Care and subsequently the Department of Health uh, since now 2022. Um, And I suppose showcase how the service is working in the right care, the right place and the right time. And um, let the minister meet with service users, the staff, the team, and I suppose really just kind of look at those positive outcomes and, and what's actually happening on the ground here and on the front line. Well, we've heard from the minister ourselves here at the radio station and she sent in her comments on uh, the department and the work that you guys are doing on the campus. And she says she wants to see uh, a lot of what's going on in Tuseth Lone uh, being picked up and practiced across all the third level education institutions in the country. Uh, That must be, from your perspective, nice to hear that kind of endorsement for the work you're doing. Yes, absolutely. I suppose on a personal level and having worked in student health for the last 12 years, this model of care, you know, this um, design for practice is is ready to implement, ready to upscale. And, you know, certainly student health professionals across the country would welcome that that warm engagement um, from the minister about it. We have been, you know, viewed as a model of best practice and innovation right across primary care. And so those positive comments are are really welcome. Obviously, I'm quite excited on a personal level because I designed this model um, many years ago in in response to the need, really, that the students were facing um, barriers to accessing care. And we've now, I suppose, an evidence base and we've got, you know, um, the statistics and that evidence there to show how it's working and the impact that it's having. So it's really, really effective and it is nice for a change to have a very good news story in healthcare. Yeah, exactly that. Let's talk about what the difference 
access makes because as you said uh, before it's readily available access to information access to sexual health services uh, then a lot of it is supposition and proposals uh, but now that you have working practice in this regard and um, when it comes to young people and their sexual health what are the things that you see and you notice when uh, access uh, to what they may need uh, gets to the level that it has been it's actually very basic, very simple and very practical. So we've removed barriers like travel time, the cost involved, absence from college, the stigma, the fear, the embarrassment. And by providing the service here, it's a really comprehensive service which incorporates you know, information, advice, guidance, but it incorporates testing, treatment, vaccinations, um, all the follow-up care, the partner notification, access to contraception, um, access to women's health issues, um, men's health issues. So it's a really, really comprehensive service and it's practical because it's, it's what they need, it's where they need it. And we've actually normalised this aspect of their healthcare by placing it here on the campus. So certainly um, very simple, very practical model, but having the expertise here and a you know, dedicated service for that, that's tailored to the need is really resulting in great engagement. We had um, actually uh, 1,200 consultations in the last year and 88% of those were provided by myself here on campus. So Mm. a busy service, but actually really impactful. And if you think then a little bit outside of campus life and wider community and, you know, these young people then maybe going on into the, the the world and their lives with a positive sexual health, with, you know, good um, education, good um, uh, tools to arm themselves to be protected, to be healthy, to be well, and to have good attitudes, good approaches, and good communication skills around this area. So it, it, it has wider ranging um, positive impacts outside of our campus walls as well. Yeah, as you mentioned there, whatever evidence that you guys have of, of, of the benefits of what you're doing now, there's still further benefits to be gleaned from people carrying this knowledge through the rest of their adult lives. So getting people at formative stages in their youth and, and, and late adolescence uh, makes a big difference in that regard. I've just done some basic maths here, Laura, so you'll forgive my inaccuracy if I'm slightly off. 88% of the 1,200 or so consultations, it's around 1,000 consultations. Um, as you said there, you were busy last year. Now, I know yes. um, based on the uh, information that was sent out, uh, the the programme is supported by the state, as you mentioned as well. Were you adequately resourced for the amount of consultations, just as a for instance, um, that you had to do? Uh, do you think that then uh, if this programme was to be available in every third level institution uh, and funded to the same degree, it would meet demand? Yeah, I do, actually. So um, actually, how we've worked that is we've I've implemented a very efficient model here. So students self-refer to the service. Um, they just simply scan a QR code or click a link to book the appointment. And I tailor the appointments to suit the, the student's timetable. So um, that obviously helps with engagement. And then we have a tailored, we have a computer package, we have paperless office, very efficient, very seamless um, service. And it's actually very well resourced in terms that I am completely ring fenced and this is my job is to provide the clinical care, project management, all of the support and services. So it's well resourced on this campus and it meets the needs of the Athlone population. However, our students across other campuses at TUS are 
hanging out waiting for a service to come to their campus so we would look for those resources and then in terms of looking at resources across student health student health professionals have a lot of this expertise they're already providing some services they might not be resourced to do it but this they're meeting a need um, and if we got this framework and this model implemented across student health in ireland i i think it really could serve a massive population you know we've got something like 230,000 students in education um, and you'd be dealing with a very high risk cohort in terms of age across the country. So um, there's a lot of the infrastructure, a lot of the personnel already in place, the expertise, the training is there, but we do need the resources obviously and that's why I'm warmly welcoming what the Minister has said today because um, you know, I really think this is, um, is, is very scalable and you know, ready to roll out if that's if that trigger is there with regard to some funding. Yeah, and as you said there, I think you make a really good point in the fact that you've you've been able to carry out your remit of work uh, unencumbered by firefighting on other issues or other responsibilities. Yeah. And, and that must be yeah. a huge drain on health provision generally in this country is that people qualified yeah. for a specific role end up doing several other things and are expected to deliver them kind of all at once. Yeah, you really do have a, a good handle on it there and you've framed it excellently. That is the difference. My role is ring-fenced, dedicated to this work. So obviously I have autonomy and control and structure around how I provide the care. So it's manageable. It's a very manageable workload. But when you are in that position of firefighting and typically in student health, you know, anything can come in the door. You could have a busy clinic running. You may be called to an emergency on campus. You just can't give that same level of dedicated service. And also, you know, this is a very specialized role. I've trained for many years to develop the expertise to deliver a nurse-led service. But it's very rewarding because I can give that expert care. I can dedicate the time. And as I said to the minister today, you know, that would be what I would have said was the gift was actually having that ring fenced, dedicated service. Um, because as you say, you're not then firefighting and trying to juggle all the plates and not, you know, managing any of them very well. Yeah, hopefully your experience, Two South Loans experience can be scaled across the country and people can benefit in that regard and there's so much benefit uh, built into education of any description and education around sex, sexual health uh, being just as important as any other sector. We'll finish up, Laura. Uh, maybe if we have anyone listening to whom it may be of benefit or, or may help or indeed inform in any way uh, whatsoever. Um, good sexual health practice. If you had a, a room of students in front of you for the first time, a, 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 an incoming year of students uh, leaving secondary school or something along those lines, what are the key points you usually start with? Well, you know, I would say that we all have sexual health across our whole lifespan, and that's where we start with this. So, you know, every age, every gender, we all need to consider our sexual health, and we have different needs across that spectrum. But what I would say to people, um, there are some key considerations. So the first consideration I would say is communication. You know, communication with your partner, make sure things are consensual, that there's good communication, that you're happy with what's happening, that you're con con communicating around, you know, um, protection, uh, STIs, uh, what's comfortable, what's pleasurable. And then what I would say to people is, we can't underestimate here the value of condoms in protecting against STIs. They're the only protection that we have and, and they do offer protection against most STIs. Um, and then if you are sexually active, using consistent um, 
consistent use of condoms is very important and then regular testing is important because most infections will have no symptoms they're silent and it's important that you just get get yourself checked know your status and i suppose then i would talk about the uh, the contraception and the value that that is and you do know now we have access to free contraception in ireland for those aged 17 to 31 which has been a really substantial move particularly with young people in that it removes the barrier of cost and we're able to provide that service as well. So I suppose they're the kind of main points I would say, make sure there's good communication, make sure condoms are used, and then that there's regular testing and access to services that are there. Next on Health and Fitness, you'll learn about a club driven by people, driven by community. Health and Fitness with the newly refurbished Midlands Park Health and Fitness Club. Take the plunge in a new routine with our swimming pool, plunge pool, jacuzzi, sauna and steam room. For more, visit midlandsparkhotel.com. Midlands 103. Now on Health and Fitness, we are featuring a Midlands rugby club. The reason we're doing so is they have a very exciting day coming up uh, very soon indeed. Mullingar Rugby Football Club will be welcoming uh, the Leinster Rugby Squad uh, to the premises, to the grounds, to the Midlands uh, on Monday. And I'm very glad to say that the club president, Conor Fitzgerald, and the club's PRO, John Keane, has joined us in studio this evening. Uh, Lads, thanks very much for coming in. Thanks a million for having us. us, David. Uh, Connell, you might talk us through uh, what's actually happening at Mullingar RFC on Monday. Um, this is part of Leinster Rugby's 12-county tour. Yes, indeed. It's not the first time they've come to us. They they travel around the country. This time, they're having an open training session. They have various things with the different clubs. Sometimes they'll have a close, sometimes an open. This is an open training session where anybody and everybody from the Midlands is invited to come along and meet their heroes. And that's what it's about. Uh, John, from a PRO's perspective, uh, the visit of the Leinster rugby team has got to be seen from your perspective as a, a great opportunity to get more eyes on the club and uh, to get more people to understand what what happens at Mullingar Rugby. Yeah, 100%, David. Like it's, uh, as, as, as kind of new enough in the role, um, it's not every day that Leinster rugby land on your lap. So it, it makes my job very easy, uh, certainly as a, a rugby fan, uh, it's something I'm really excited about and uh, it doesn't take too much encouragement to, to hopefully get some people out on, on Monday. What kind of organising goes on behind the scenes for something like this? There, there must be a lot of liaising and planning and, and, and that type of thing. Yeah, it's look, it, it, it's been simpler than, than I, I would imagine. I suppose we have a great club. Um, I get told frequently by my fellow club mates that... Uh, they need solutions, not problems. And I think that's the kind of the attitude we have in, in Mullingar. So something like this, it's um, um, it, it has been surprisingly easy. And, and again, there's a lot of excitement around a uh, world class rugby team like Leinster coming to a, a town like Mullingar. So, um, yeah, I, I've been surprised at how easy it's been. Connell, I must ask you, since you've got the experience of it, uh, what do you find it means or in your observations when you see uh, young kids interacting with the Leinster rugby squad uh, it, they must have that sprinkle of magic dust or whatever in terms of enthusiasm on them absolutely it's and it's brilliant for young kids it's also brilliant for some of the bigger kids as well to meet their heroes um it's i love rugby as a sport because the the humbleness of these lads these are heroes but they'll take the time to stop and ch- chat whether young old it doesn't matter who it is and it just 
brings a whole a, a, a good feeling to the club where everybody is happy to be there. And that's what we're about. That's why why we're involved in the club is to make it a social a social place, but also a social function like that. Just it, it's as you say, fairy dust. It sprinkles the fairy dust on the club. Um, Leinster rugby. I think if people were cynical from the outside, would accuse it of being a one county province, as it were, in terms of the the Leinster school scene and and all that type of thing. How have you observed it from the perspective of a club that is here in the Midlands in Leinster, very much a part of Leinster provincially, uh, provincially I should say. Uh, but obviously, there's this cliche or trope about uh, the Leinster rugby team. Um, I don't feel that we would have two of our players that came through the system in Leinster in Mullingar who both made um, professional contracts with Leinster Mark Flanagan and Conor O'Brien Conor O'Brien's brother now is with Munster Sean has, has gone to Munster so there is a pathway there yes the schools obviously have more time with the, the players so having more time they do more coaching so it brings them to a slightly higher level but once they get to adulthood that level that level's out and they may have more of a chance of being seen as a 17, 18 year old. But plenty of our lads get seen. Plenty of our lads make Lancer squads. So, you know, if they make the underage squad, they always have a chance of making the professional squad. In terms of the event on Monday, it must be fascinating for everyone associated with the club, those who train and play with the club, uh, to observe technically the kind of performance levels that Leinster can achieve through their training sessions, how coherent they are, well planned, how focused the players are, that must uh, be nice to have on the premises as well. It is super, but one of the things that they will notice is their training system is very similar to ours. Ours is based on theirs. So that's where we're trying to improve coaches. Up So far this year, we've had eight coach, the coaching, coach, coaching of coaches sessions and every one of them is a Leinster session. So that's the whole idea is that, you know, the the younger people are getting the very same training, maybe not as intense, but it's the very same training. So if they do make it to that grade, they're already in the system. Uh, from your perspective, John, how have you observed Mullingar's place in Leinster more broadly? Um, how do you assess where the club is and what the potential of the club could be, uh, not just in terms of, uh, say, on the pitch, but off the pitch in that broader piece? Yeah, it's really interesting. Um, I think it's it's a real coup for for our club Mullingar to have Leinster come down. And I think it's a real credit to our club, you know, with the facilities that we have. We've had a new gym installed recently. And, you know, that's... You know, when we sent the spec to Leinster, they were kind of blown away with the facility. So I suppose as a Mullingar man, um, you know, you're very proud of the facilities that we have locally. So, um, you know, and, 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 and it's obviously if it's good enough for a world class team like Leinster, um, you know, all the kids coming through that they can see and they can see the excitement and, um, you know, to see the guys in the gym on Monday and, you know, this, you know, these are the facilities that we have that we use on a, on a regular basis um, and they're good enough for, you know, world-class athletes. So for the likes of my kids or anyone else coming through, to see that is really exciting. Um, and uh, it gives you a lot of, um, makes you very proud of Mullingar and proud of the club and the facilities that we have. The event 
with uh, Leinster's visit takes place from 2.30 to 4 o'clock at Mullingar Rugby Football Club and it's literally there for everyone in the community to attend and hopefully you guys get a great attendance. When we return from a very short break, we're going to be looking at the wider operations of the club, how they're tipping along in terms of competitive level and we may talk more about the facilities and their place in the community. Health and Fitness with the all-new Midlands Park Health and Fitness Club with fitness classes to suit everyone. Experience the warmth at 30 degrees in our dedicated spin studio. Discover all this and more on MidlandsParkHotel.com Midlands Sport is about representation. You represent yourself when you play on a pitch or on a team. You represent uh, a community and a place when you pull on a jersey and play for a club. And I'm very glad to say that uh, two men are sitting in studio with me now, very much with that in mind, uh, from Mullingar Rugby. Uh, Conor Fitzgerald, uh, president of the club, and PRO John Keane. Just before the break, we were talking about Leinster's visit to the club grounds and the training facilities. They're having their open training session uh, on Monday. So that's one to look forward to for the club. Uh, But just off air, John, we were talking about representation and community and how, I suppose, from your perspective, working for the club is a way of expressing your representation of the community. Yeah, look, I think it's it's widely publicised, David, that... um you know, we get happiness and enjoyment from a couple of things in life and kind of high up on that ranking is, is your involvement in the community. Um, and it's not work. It's good fun, you know. Um, there's lots of nice people around the club. So the mission statement of the, the club in Mullingar is, is um, you know, helping our community through rugby. And, um, you know, we're, we're, we're not here today looking for... It would be great to have future uh, uh, number 10 for Ireland come from <laughs> Mullingar and all that. But, um, you know... This is a way, I suppose, that we can, you know, being part of the club, uh, it's all about helping the community. And, uh, you know, we love rugby and I I suppose that's that's what we get out of the club. I think, in fairness, one of the things that we would feel, uh, one of the things we stress in Mullingar Rugby Club, it's, it's participation over competitiveness. We're not out to win every game. It's nice to win. It's lovely to win. The kids love to win. But it's to make sure that everybody that comes out gets equal amount of rugby. It doesn't matter what their what their level is now. That level could change in three or four years' time. They could turn into the professional. So we make sure we literally have them from three years of age. The, t- the t- tiny tires, our tiny tigers start at three. We hope to still see them playing at 43. 100%. Um, Connell, how long have you been involved with Mullingar Rugby? Too long. Um, my son is 25 now and he would have started as an under eight. And like that, I was on the <laughs> sideline as the daddy that brought him to it. And suddenly I was carrying the medical bag and somehow or another I ended up president. Don't know how it happened. <laughs> I'm also chef. I'm also the car park attendant. But that's club. That's what we're about. What does it mean to you then to be part of the picture in such a fundamental way? Like it's family for you. It it's it's uh, it's your leisure time, your free time. It must mean a fair deal. Um, I wouldn't even say it's leisure time, free time. It's nearly like a second job, but you get far more out of it than you put into it. When I'd stand out there on a Saturday morning and see four or five hundred kids running around having fun, money couldn't buy it. Literally. That's everything to you. That's where any bit of work you put in is well paid back by seeing the enjoyment. And to me, kid, kids can be 40 years of age to me at this stage, but I still enjoy seeing them running around. Don't care what age they are. Anybody playing sport, having fun, 
it's worth everything you put into it. That's it. Participation is such an important thing for developing people, young people, and clubs like Mullingar are the reason uh, that people have these things as they grow up and and uh, they hold on to them. John, when we have success in rugby, when Ireland are heading to the World Cup or winning a Six Nations or Leinster players are, are winning through Europe, uh, do you guys notice a kind of on-the-ground uptick in terms of um, participation, people inquiring about uh, getting involved in the club and that type of thing? Yeah, it definitely helps. You know, um, I think Irish rugby is in a a unique place at the moment. It wasn't always like that. Certainly our, unique our, in its history, yeah. yeah. I, I remember for a long time it, it, it not being like that. Um, but, but yeah, look, it definitely helps. You know, um, we, we have... Um, you know, a lot of the, the senior, um, you know, uh, men and women are, are, are national profiles now and um, that can only encourage people to come. So, um, you know, seeing them on TV um, seeing them on adverts, it, it, it all helps. Uh, and, and definitely we we have huge numbers um, in our clubs. Um, at our club, we have kind of less, we have 50 boys under under. In, on the under twelve, yeah, yeah, fifty under twelve. Similar, we we, we we actually have there's a thousand members in the club. Eight hundred of them are playing members, and one hundred are coaches. That's that's a pretty impressive number. Um, talk to me about the kinds of teams that exist then, because you mentioned tiny tigers. You've got as young as three year olds yep. getting stuck into the game. Uh, talk us through the age grades, um, how women's rugby is serviced at the club, and uh, what that all means generally. We, when I would have played myself years ago, there was boys rugby only, um, under eights, tens, twelves, fourteens, sixteens, eighteens. At this stage, we have eights, nines, tens, elevens, all the way to eighteens. At quite a few ages, thirteens, fourteens, twelves, we'd have two squads. Um, girls rugby then came along. It was very little in minis. It was under twelves for everybody, and under fifteens, under eighteens. Now we've eights, tens, twelves, fourteens, sixteens, eighteens in competitions, and in our fourteens and sixteens competitions, we'd also have a thirteens and a fifteens that would play in the B competitions. So it's it's a huge. In, I think it's brilliant because, as I say, when I was a kid, girls didn't have sport. Nowadays, I think it's super to see every girl able to play whatever sport she wants. Just happens rugby is my sport. I'd encourage them to play any sport. It doesn't have to be mine. But it's great to see that they can do it nowadays. Yeah, and for too long, as you said, it, it had been denied them from before they were even aware that it wasn't an option for them. Uh, John Connell outlined his long historic standing with the club, but you've uh, come into it more recently. How did you get involved as the PRO of Mullingar? Yeah, I don't know how I ended up here. <laughs> I should be at work. But anyhow, it's... Um, yeah, look, my, my, my girls, uh, Laurie is eight, eight is six, and um, yeah, got them out to the club kind of last year. I made the mistake of standing on the sideline. This is it. Hands in my pockets, so wasn't long before um, I got approached, and um, I started as Piro in September, and uh, yeah, uh, that's I'd like, I suppose where Connell has seen his kids grow up in the club. Um, mine are only at a very early stage, Um but it's really nice, you know. It's 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 nice to hear people commenting about um, 
you know how crazy my kids are. It's not just me saying it, you know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but but yeah, the kid, the girls love it, and and Jack, my my youngest, has just started in Tiny Tigers, and um, so it's a real focus for the family on a on a Saturday morning, and. You know, it's better than Netflix and uh, we all get a bit of fresh air and, and, and great fun out of it. It's a proper outlet as well when you've got that kind of youthful energy. There's probably no other sport to get the books balanced again on the energy stakes, maybe. Yeah, you know, and you notice it when, when, when they're not out on a Saturday morning, you know. Um, uh, um, yeah, the, 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 you know, getting a run around, getting some fresh air, meeting some friends, making some new friends. Um, you know, it's it's and the opportunities it gives us, I suppose, as a family, like we, we've we've Leinster um, on Monday, which my kids are genuinely excited about, as are many other kids, hopefully in Mullingar and the, and the Midlands as a whole. But, you know, then on Saturday, uh, we four buses from the club going up to see uh, uh, Leinster play Benetton. Wow. And um, so, you know, it, it's a nice focus for families. It's a, it's a nice focus for the club. Um, but, you know, great inspiration for the kids, too, to kind of see the players in the flesh you know, at the club on Monday and then see them in action, uh, hopefully with a win on, on, on Saturday week. Guys, you've been great with your time. I much appreciate you coming in. Uh, Connell, I'll just ask you as we're wrapping up, we're talking about participation and uh, and all those kinds of things. So um, if people listening say they wanted to maybe get down on Monday, have a look at the Leinster squad and to check out the facilities that Mullingar has and they walk away thinking, yeah, I actually would like myself or my kids to be involved in this club. You're presumably welcoming new members all along. Absolutely. Anybody is welcome. Our whole our whole reason for being there is participation. Anyone that wants to come and enjoy rugby, as I say, even we're always looking for additional coaches you won't be doing the same running round as the kids, but by golly, you'll be running. Even if you're carrying the water bottles, they need to get out of the pitch quick. We'll keep you exercised. Dead on. And if anyone wants to look his up, it's simply just Google the club and you can find points of contact that way. Yeah, Mullingar Rugby Club. We have Facebook. We've every social media there is. John is good at that. I'm a technophobe. You'd have to write to me by pigeon. You and me both. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we're really active Facebook page, Instagram, all the usual social channels. So um, give us a shout on that and and, uh, any information anyone's looking for, we'll try and get back as quick as possible. Or just turn up on a Saturday morning, any time between 10 and 12 on a Saturday morning. If it's it's kids below the age of 18, Saturday morning, if they're adults, Friday evening. Flying the flag for uh, participation and community at Mullingar Rugby Club, Connell Fitzgerald and John Keane. I really appreciate the two of you coming into us on Health and Fitness this evening. Thank you, David. Thanks for the chance. Football for All. That's the name of a new initiative from the only League of Ireland club in the Midlands. Find out what it's all about next. Health and Fitness with the all-new Midlands Park Health and Fitness Club where relaxation meets rejuvenation. Find out more at midlandsparkhotel.com Midlands 103 The League of Ireland season is finally returning. As you listen to our show this evening, I believe the um, President's Cup contest for the men's side will be just about getting underway in Tallis Stadium. Uh, Loads to look forward to from a Midlands perspective for Athlone Town contesting at the Women's President's Cup looking to defend it and then straight into the Women's Premier Division and prior to that uh, the League of Ireland men's first division side uh, will have their League of Ireland season up and running and uh, one of the storylines that's been in tandem I suppose with uh, the League of Ireland over the course of the last couple of years is the improving attendances the improving amount of viewers of the game here in Ireland 
and uh, Athlone Town very much uh, hoping to be part of that story as time goes on. Well, they've taken the initiative uh, with a new initiative that sees uh, wheelchair users and those who are visually impaired given free season tickets if they're community members. I'm very glad to say that from the club, joining us is David Dully and the women's senior team manager, Kieran Kuldoff. Uh, lads, thanks very much for joining us on Health and Fitness this evening. Thanks, David. Yeah, no, thanks for having us on. David, uh, from your position um, over the club generally, I'll get you to talk us through what the Football for All initiative is and where the motivation came from to do it. Yeah, so it's something that we've been trying to do for a while is to make our club more accessible for people. So what we came up with that this year, what we're going to do is offer free season tickets to wheelchair users and visually impaired people and for any carers that they may require. Now, unfortunately for the wheelchair users, our space is limited to about between probably 10 season tickets that we could give out just because the space is limited in the wheelchair section of the stand. But um, it's just we want to make our club more accessible for everybody. And there's a a second part of that initiative as well, which we just haven't announced yet because we're trying to finalise the details. But what we're going to have is for probably four or five of the women's games, just as a trial run to see how it works. We're going to have an autism-friendly match day where there's going to be a sensory room set up within the stadium and just that people may not be able to sit through the whole game, that they can go down and go to the sensory room and spend a bit of time there again. And that'll be free for anybody with autism and whatever cares they may require to come in as well. It's just we're trying to open up the club to all members of the community, just that it's it's not a closed shop and football is for everybody. And like, there, there's it's, it's going to be a bigger drive come the end of the season. There's a, a local school for people with disabilities as well. And we're currently employing one of those students in the club. And we're hoping that we have the opportunity to employ more and just make the club more accessible for everybody within the community, whatever their abilities or disabilities are. That's that's fantastic. And it, it's actually, it sounds if, like the ambition there is even more extensive than as the Football for All initial initiative uh, outlines. Uh, Kieran, from your perspective, uh, having joined the club, but obviously um, having been someone who's operated in the League of Ireland for such a long time, you know and understand that, you know, when it comes to the football fan, football is for everyone and it's high time that all the clubs in the country manage to get up to speed with that and, and find a, a way and a time and a place to cater to, to everyone who wants to follow the game. Absolutely. Like, how, how could it not? You know, I think um, I think that's something to be proud of as a club now at the moment, that we're making that push and initiative. And um, it's only a good thing, as everyone knows. And, and the fact that you can hear what David and the club are trying to do, the, the extent to which they're doing it, um, you know, it gives us all a big boost, even as a, as the playing staff and coaching staff, that, you know, how lucky we are. And obviously now that these people are, are able to access our game, come out and give us the sport. And I just think it's a great link that's going to probably really get us, you know, networked into the community even deeper than we already are. Because um, as David said, sport, football, it is for everybody. And I'm just so proud of the club and and the stance we're taking on it and even as as David said that, that that thing with the autism thing that we're trying to set up with the sensory room that's going to make a huge difference to a lot of people's lives and um, I look at it I think it's just a great initiative from the club and I think it's a it's a stance that we're probably like the, the league itself is probably trying to um, 
push this initiative forward, but for, for our club to be doing it and um, and taking it so serious and do, doing it so well, I think is um you know it's a really good it's a good moment for the club and it puts us in a really good light and I think it shows the people we have working behind the scenes. David, as secretary of the club, you mentioned to me just before we came on air uh, for this chat that uh, we're actually talking on the hundred and thirty seventh anniversary of the club and this club Athlone Town regionally it, it has the opportunity to lead in a lot of ways because football is very city centric across the country uh, at the t- at the highest level and um, you've got sort of re- regional leadership opportunity one of the oldest clubs or the oldest club in the country um, this kind of initiative uh, could kind of help find Athlone a path in 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 football in the future as uh, you guys strive to bring the club back up to the highest level. Yeah, as we were kind of we were just chatting about it off here. Um today marks the first game Athlone played. It was 137 years ago today. We played Castle Celtic in a, it was a nil all draw. Um, I think Kieran, you were playing that day, were you? I was uh, I was mascot. <laughs> but um, no, it, it, this is something that's kind of really, really close to me. There's um, the just the autism part as well. Like, you know, little things might make it, as Kieran said, might make a huge difference to people's lives. That you know, they, they have the opportunity now to go down and enjoy the game of football, but that they can cater for whatever needs any people have. And it's one of the most enjoyable part days I had in football was years ago and I know we're just on the back of an FAI Cup win but just bear with me one of the most enjoyable days I had in football was when I saw a local school for people that had disabilities that played a match and it was a 9v9 match now some of them wore Liverpool jerseys and then the, the other team wore Ireland jerseys but no matter who scored every one of the players celebrated together and it was genuinely it was one of the best days I ever had in football and this initiative now is just to try and make a little difference for people's lives, just to try and do something small. It doesn't cost the club anything. And we're not asking for anything from anybody, just the fact that we can make the, the games accessible for people. And I think that if in its infancy, it'll start off small. But I hope, like I know that there is some other clubs that are doing sensory days as well, but it might be something that might just kick on all around the league. I will just make football for everybody. You might tell us then, David, uh, if somebody listening who wants to start frequenting uh, the Athlone Town Stadium, uh, they might be in a wheelchair or vision impaired. Uh, what would they need to do to go about getting a free season ticket? Yeah, so there's a link on the website. So the the article was published. I think it was yesterday, whatever it was the day before, but the article was published, and on it there's a form that they need to complete and. It's just basically looking for their name, their phone number and an email address. And then the club will reach out to them and contact them and just see what sort of needs they would have as well to come to the games, be it parking or whatever the case is, because the vehicles would be allowed to park inside in the ground. Again, just to make it just that little bit easier for them to get in and out of the ground. Yeah, and of course, uh, sometimes there might be an accompanying carer that comes with people in that situation. Um, the article, if you're looking for it, uh, you can get it on Athlone Town's website or indeed on midlands103.com. Uh, Kieran, let's look at the upcoming season. Uh, you enter into it as the cup champion, so you're going into the President's Cup to take on the league title winners, P Mount United. And that's a great barometer for where you guys are very, very early on in the season. 
Absolutely. Um, I think obviously finishing the season as strong as we did last year, um, it's a lovely kind of start that your first competitive game again is a cup final. Um, so, you know, P-Mount, we know, I think they, they finished ahead of us in the league last year by 17 points, but we obviously got the better of them then in the FAI Cup run as well. So it should mean, you know, it's an opportunity maybe to put down a marker as well at the start of the season or, or at least learn from that from your outing. But um, look at the girls have been training hard and obviously, as I said, there's a nice bit of focus knowing that the president, you know, himself will be there and that it's in Athlone and, you know, so we're in a good place as a minute at the minute as a group, and I just think, um, yeah, look, what a great way to kick off the season for us again. I know Atlone obviously kicked it off last year, being in the Presidents Cup as well, and won it. So, um, hopefully, we can go again, and it's a good omen, and we start the season on a high. And for you personally, it's a first full season that must mean a, a lot to you in terms of ownership of of the whole campaign and uh, being able to take responsibility for pre season right up until potential silverware at the other end of the season. Well, that'd be the plan. I hope it's the first full season. Anyway, <laughs> David is be cracking the whips on me, so uh, uh, it depends if I get a good start or not. Um, I know. Look, at no, it's been great. Look, at I'm I'm excited, and look at last year probably couldn't have went any better for us all. Um, you know, we to finish with a, with a big trophy like the FAI Cup, and obviously, um, you know, it made my life a little bit easier in the off season trying to, to to get the players that we all wanted in and to keep the ones we wanted. So we're really in a good place, and I just think now, you know, um, I'll admit, I think the girls are getting their civic reception tonight down in the down in the town as well, mm-hmm. which is a great achievement for them. So um, they've worked hard for the last three or four weeks, so so they're due a little bit of a breather this week, but we'll be back at it again on Monday. So yeah, look, I think. We're all optimistic and and excited and looking forward to this season ahead because um you know there's a lot to be there for, there's a lot there for us this year and uh, we're just hoping to build on last season's successes I suppose. Yeah, and look, that's the same up and down the country. There's nothing like the hope of pre-season for every club, but certainly there's plenty cause for optimism with Athlone Town. David Dully, uh, Kieran Kilduff, thanks to you both for taking the time to talk to us on health and fitness this evening. Thanks, David. Yeah, thanks for having us on, David. Thank you.